You are listening to Deeper Roots, a podcast to help equip the members of New Branch Community Church to glorify God by making disciples of all nations. For more information, visit newbranch.com. Hey church, uh, this is uh, Ken and Tyler, and we are doing a recording today so that uh, you can get to know a little bit more about Tyler. So with our church multiplication plan that we've been talking about and sifting through as a church over the last few months, one of the things that we uh, put out there a couple months ago was a leadership plan, which would include Tyler taking the reins of New Branch upon the launch of a church in Jackson County. So um, we are Thoroughly excited about that, and uh, but we recognize that not everybody knows Tyler and knows his background and um, much about him as much as others do. Uh, there are a lot of folks that have joined our church over the last few years and uh, just don't uh, don't know him as well as some of the other elders or myself. And so we thought it'd be good to spend some time just getting to know Tyler, and in particular. Um, going back and hearing um, what God has done in his life and his salvation testimony, how he came to know the Lord. And so, Tyler, um, yeah. excited to have you here, brother. And... I am excited to talk about myself. Everybody knows how much I love talking about myself. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We all do. We all if do. I just frame this as I'm talking about the Lord's work in my life, then it makes it a little bit more palatable for me. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's really, that's what we want to do. We want to uh, give God the glory for... Uh, the grace he's shown in your life and what he's doing currently in your life and what's led to that point. So can you take us back, take us back to, um, I don't know, the beginning of your story and uh, how God began working in your life? Sure. So I would say that growing up, I grew up in what was really a nominally Christian household. Um, I think both of my parents grew up completely in church all the time, but that wasn't really the case in our home. Uh, my mom wanted us to be in church. My dad really had no interest in the church by that time. And um, so my mom tried to get us involved with church and it just was tough for her to, to do. So uh, my sister and I think both got kicked out of Sunday school at the same time, the same day that she tried to go. And so things like that, we just weren't going to church. For the same reason? What'd you do to get kicked out of Sunday school? Uh, nursery. I don't know. It was... I don't know. I just, they, I, that they, might, they there might probably, be a redemptive story in there for, for your kids. I don't know. Just, yeah. Just, yeah. I don't, so. I don't remember what it was, but it probably wasn't my fault. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I probably deserved every bit of that, but, uh, yeah. And then more than that, um, my, the home life was, my dad was an alcoholic. He was abusive, mm. uh, abusive more so to my mother. Um, but at times to, to us as well. Um, and then, so they split, my parents split when I was separated when I was in the third grade. And then in, when I was in the fourth grade, my father passed, he killed himself. Um, and so early, early on that left me, even at fourth grade, angry. And from what I knew about God, from like my grandmother always trying to get us to go to the VBS and the, the other limited church things, I you knew I... I just kind of thought, like, if he's there, then he doesn't care about me, or uh, he's 
powerless to stop this or something like that. So, so how'd that anger begin to manifest itself in your life? And, um, and these were fourth, fifth, sixth grade years yeah, as fourth, you're walking fifth, through sixth this grade year, seventh grade or yeah, seventh grade, even, uh, it just manifested as me being an angry person, like mm. just generally angry, uh, rebellious, just teenage mischief, um, things like that. Lots of arguments with, um, you know, with my mom who single mom, stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, so, but I would have, that's what I would have been my spiritual worldview is I don't want anything to, to do with God. So, um, and then we moved to a new neighborhood and all the kids my age in the neighborhood went to church. And so they invited me to go ice skating with the youth group and, um, I didn't have any other friends or anything else to do because we had moved away from all my friends. And so I was like, sure, I'll go. And I know I've shared this story this way enough times, but I, when we went to the youth group, they, uh, I wasn't really looking for Jesus, but they had two things I was looking for, which was girls and basketball. And so we kept going, I kept going back to youth group, uh, Wednesday and Sunday because of girls and basketball. Yeah. So. All right, so you're at youth group. At some point, God intersects your life with the gospel. We go to summer camp, uh, on a summer camp in Panama, summer camp, Panama City. Preacher, I actually remember more about the the sermon the night before I got saved than the, the than the actual one. But I remember like actually getting the gospel, getting the exchange of it, mm. um, and then the night the night that I actually like came forward and this was like my second altar call mind you maybe third altar call but this is the time that the lord like actually like changed my heart uh it was like hey if you walk out there and get hit by a bus like i knew in that moment and i know that's like not a popular way to do evangelism or something anymore but uh i knew in that moment i was like terrified that i deserved the wrath of god for Mm. my sin in that moment Mm. and so i responded to that um And then more so in the counseling after the altar call, uh, talking to my youth pastor, uh, he's like, all right, Tyler, you responded to this altar call, this altar call, this altar call. You really only need to, um, the Holy Spirit comes to live within you. Um, It regenerates you, gives you a new heart, things like that. He's like walking me through this stuff. And I was like, yeah, that sounds weird, but I feel weird. So I think that that's what's happening (laughs) this time. So... um, how, that how was old, the time how that old the, were you? What, what grade? Uh, I was somewhere between seventh and eighth grade. Okay. All right. 2000, July of 2000. Okay. So, um, wow, you're young. Uh, but the other part is what happened after that? So what changed in your life? Uh, I've shared before, like my, I shared with our church before in a recent sermon about how like a hunger for the word, uh, was just there from the get go. I was still coming from like a pretty rough around the edges background. So still continued to, um, continuing to work through some of those things, teenage anger and sanctification and all of that. Uh, but there was a real hunger for the, for the word and a desire actually in the very moment, like Baptists always want to talk about calling to ministry and things like that. Uh, but it was like in the same moment of be, being saved, I, everything I wanted to do before was out the window and all I wanted to do after that was ministry. So mm. a month later I'm sitting in eighth grade and they're like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'm like, I think I want to be a pastor. 
And before that, I would have been like, I want to be a lawyer or an engineer or something like that. So a huge change from angry at God yeah. about your dad and everything else to yep. now I want to be his ambassador and represent him yes. as a pastor. Yes. Huge, huge, huge change there. Absolutely. Um, and so <clears throat> then that led to uh, just being always involved with student ministry, uh, you know, trying to do like help in our student ministry as much as we could. Eventually, high school, I was leading the, um, the high school guys Sunday school class as a high school guy, um, which was kind of my first real opportunity for teaching. Mm -hmm. Um, did some things with campus ministry at our high school. Um, and that was, and the Lord blessed that. Um, and yeah, that was kind of like, that was, that was, that was the early years. So, 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 um, God really did a radical change in your life, transformation, what was what did he use and who did he use that were formative for you in you being discipled as a follower of Christ? Yeah, uh, many mentors along the way. Um, so at that time in that church, uh, there was a, a mentor named Tim uh, that was my Sunday school teacher at the time, and then like he just like threw me in the truck with him when he was working his construction job, and I got a job like cleaning up the construction sites, but I was also just like hanging out with him throughout the day. And so it was, uh, it was just learning and seeing just from life on life, uh, kinds of things. And then, and, you know, punctuated with spiritual conversation as we're like driving in the pickup truck, you know, to go do construction work. But, um, uh, so that was, that was formative. Uh, as I go get into high school, I had just many, many mentors. Um, George Robinson is a mm. Dr. George Robinson is a professor at Southeastern. I uh, met him through a mission trip that I went on in high school, and uh, he he walked some similar through some similar things, and so we connected and mentor there, and then uh, yeah, certainly many other mentors as I get older. So um, your your early <clears throat> early background in in church and theology. Uh, is a bit different than where things are yeah. now for you theologically. Where did that shift happen, and how would you describe that? Uh, I would describe that as me being like the stereotypical kid, guy my age that like went through the whole young, restless, reform thing and yeah. uh, uh, got that. Um, so I guess I have like a stereotypical like Baptist coming to faith at summer camp because they're preaching brimstone, and then as far as theologically changing, uh, I, I heard John Piper preach at Passion. And he said that this was all about his, this was all about God's glory. And uh, I walked around Nashville after hearing that. Um, all my friends went to eat McDonald's and I walked around Nash- Nashville a little bit ang- angry about that, but then wrestling with it because I couldn't like refute it or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was paradigm changing to say that it was all about his glory and not strictly about his love. Okay, so that so, that was so uh, that so that's the first that's the first like domino to fall, and then after that, uh, I got lucky, picked up a book at Barnes and Noble. So like you're shopping for Christian books at Barnes and Noble, you don't know what you're gonna get. <laughs> uh, I happened to get Knowing Scripture by R.C. Sproul, and 
started reading that it was so like introductory hermeneutics providential providential monkey, yes. yeah and so i'm i'm starting to like read the bible um on my own freshman year of college not really connected to a church but reading it with what piper said over here about it all being about god's glory and then with the hermeneutics that rc Sproul, you know recommended and uh that's kind of what caused some theological shift there so okay. to the point where eventually uh our good friend kevin sanders we're sitting in way back in college uh and someone asks him about like reformed theology and he's like reformed theology is this and he starts just going through it and i'm like oh i guess i'm i guess i'm reformed theologically now yeah so so was this still at Kennesaw State or was this after you switched? Maybe yeah. speak about that. Yeah. So I went to Kennesaw State for one year and then uh, was connected with a bunch of like parachurch ministry doing outreach um, and through uh, that was like apartment ministry, uh, after school programs, things like that, as well as doing some stuff on campus, leading a Bible study in our dorm um, and then doing some things connected with the church. But then we... Uh, and that's that's when you and I met. Yeah, you, you and I met yeah. during that time frame. You were still at Kennesaw State. You were working with a parachurch that I was also connected with um, at the church where I was serving. Um, and then, uh, yeah, providentially, the Lord <clears throat> brings about an opportunity along with your shift to New Orleans for undergrad. That's uh, why I went to New Orleans is because... Uh, because the guy I was working for, Drew, said, "Hey, uh, he was he was on staff uh, with the church that we were with at, us, yeah." And um, he said, "Hey, we need a campus student pastor for our north campus of uh, the, our north campus up in the Hamilton Mill area. Would you want to do that?" Right. Just just for our listeners who don't know all of the background of of New Branch, that was kind of the precursor to New Branch before we became New Branch. So that was a campus of another church that lasted about ten months. So in that time frame, you transfer to New Orleans. Yeah, they say, hey, you want to be the campus, the uh, North <clears throat> Campus student pastor? I'm like, uh, let me pray about that. Get back with them. Yeah, let's do it. And then, um, but if I'm going to move back over here, then I found out about the new, the undergrad program at New Orleans, transferred there, started doing my school there, uh, which was basically going to school all day on Monday and then doing ministry the rest of the week. Yeah. Yeah, and and I remember those days, um, Tyler, and I was I was super excited. Um, the that church asked me to be the campus pastor of the campus up here, and so um, I was doing that. And then uh, you were serving alongside me as the as the youth part of that campus, right. and I was I was super excited about that. I'd seen you, I'd seen God use you, I had seen. Um, uh, even early on, even as a college student, um, 19, the, I was 19. Ni- 19 years old, the gifting. Um, uh, and so kind of, kind of threw you into the deep end of, uh, of ministry to begin with and, and, and started and, um, we had some sweet times. We did. Yeah. And, and there were some great things about the, the way that that was set up as well, which is like, I was part of a broader student ministry staff with four or five other people from the main campus. Um, so that allowed some like, um, getting, getting my feet wet in ministry. But at the same time at the, up here at the North campus, we were like kind of on our own and doing our own, own thing. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was a very, it was a very sweet time. I think the Lord was gracious, even in spite of my, uh, youthful 
whatever. Yeah, and 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 that continued as the Lord led us to be a standalone church. Less than a year later, <clears throat> we became New Branch in January of 08, <clears throat> constituted as a church. Um, uh, that that main church no longer had a vision for a campus ministry, and so the land and all of that got, got consolidated into their their coffers, and we became a standalone church. And so you were serving as part-time youth pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin, who you mentioned earlier, um, we actually brought him on like a like a month or two later. Yeah. Uh, as worship pastor or director of our worship ministries, leading worship. And so, yeah, that continued um, uh, serving the Lord out of those trailers that are right next to us here and um, some, some sweet times in ministry. But, but again, I think, um, I think for both of you, it was, it was a lot of ministry at a very young age and um, it was a lot of, a lot of heavy stuff that, that you were, uh, that was kind of on your shoulders and, um, things were really, really good until they weren't. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, uh, to just say like the things were really, really good part, uh, I was super excited and I, you know, I know I mentioned some of this to the church before, but I was, ex- I was very excited about what we were doing at New Branch because I feel like we were kind of questioning a lot of the 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 um the lane of church that we had been been in uh and just saying what is it that you really just need like distill this down what is it that you really just need for to be a church and so uh you know we said before is preach the bible and make disciples and i was i was super excited about that just simple let's get rid of all the fluff and um, whatever else, and let's just preach the Bible and make disciples. And even back then, you were a you. You God used you to sharpen me, as I was coming out of that more seeker sensitive, programmatic, pragmatist kind of yeah. ministry, um, to a more uh, just refining. What is the church? Why is the church? What is the mission of the church? So God, you, you use you to to refine my own understanding of that and application of that in those in those early years. Yeah, um, but you're right. It was uh, it was starting the ministry. It was going to school full time, but then I also got married at yep. twenty, um, and so you were it, twenty years old. I was twenty years old. I was wow. I was. To was well, a few weeks shy of turning 21, but I was, I was 20 years old when we got married. Yeah. So I just think back, <clears throat> like I've got twins that are 21 and you were 20, uh, new wife, um, pretty significant ministry job, just a lot, a lot that was on you and on Kevin. Um, and God was blessing it. It was, it was going well, but I think, I think we should take use of this time to also you know, talk to our church about, um, you know, an incident that occurred that God led you through, sure. led us through, um, just so that we can share the full story with our church and God can get the glory for the redemption that Absolutely. is embedded in that story. Absolutely. And I, I never tell the story well, so I think maybe what's most helpful is to just walk through it as a narrative and then to come back and just like yeah. uh, look at some lessons learned 
because some of the lessons wouldn't be learned until like way after the fact. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, so I would say I would I would say that it really starts to like unravel for me in like spring, uh, late spring, kind of into the first semester of uh, 2010. Right. Uh, I'm trying to like push to finish my undergrad, um, taking 21 hours of college, including like three hours in Birmingham and then like a few hours online and then a bunch of hours here in Atlanta. You're not actually supposed to do that, but they just weren't counting. And by the way, that's when we transitioned from the trailers to Hebrew and Christian Academy (laughs) as well. So So doing that, uh, doing that. And then, um, the summer I was taking classes. I think I went down to new Orleans even that summer. Uh, but throughout that summer, it became increasingly clear to me that something wasn't right. Like I was dry. I was like not able like to preach like I could before to even the students or summer camp or something like that. It was just all very forced. Um, and so if you fast forward to August of that year, uh, I'm just like finding myself totally full blown depression uh, that skipped out on a couple of commitments, like I'm talking Wednesday night, Sunday morning, just not, not even showing up. Uh, my wife didn't even know how she like saw something going on, but she had no idea how to help me. I had never really experienced anything like that. So I didn't know how to, what was going on. Um, but was completely depressed. And, um, I remember, uh, Jacob Hall used to be a member here at New Branch. He, yep. He was he was on staff at a church a ways away from here. He he drove and met me at like two a.m. in the morning at Waffle House just to like talk through things. I thought things were like maybe you know taking a turn for the better from there. Um, but then the next day, it was Monday in August, twenty ten. Uh, got into escalating argument with good friend Kevin. Uh, he said, well, "You know, why don't you come over to to the house and." Um, I went over to his house and uh, continued this, the argument continued to escalate and I ended up hitting him and uh, subsequently got arrested for simple battery and uh, yeah um, then so rightly got, got arrested for simple battery and after that was terminated from New Branch yeah so I go back and, um, you know, one of the, one of the things that I try to take away from that time, um, is just being more attentive because that's not something that I recognized, um, as you were, I don't know if you would call that, would you call that depression during that time? I don't know if it was clinical I would, or all, but, but I, I don't certainly know the blues. This is, well, so let me say after I said it's terminated, but I, like New Branch was very gracious um, to give me, uh, this was 2010, right? Not a great economy, uh, to, to, to give me a severance that allowed us to get on our feet and also to send me to, uh, I went to 17 weeks of biblical counseling that ranged anywhere from an hour and a half to like two and a half hour sessions. Cause sometimes my counselor was just like, this is going well, we should just keep going. And I was like, really, this is brutal, but let's go. Okay. Um, so at through that, I would say, and I want to be clear on this point. Uh, I would say that the depression I had was spiritual in nature. Yeah. And what I want to be clear on is I don't think everybody's depression is a catch all term. Sure. So I think that 
I think that would still hold out a category for that's physical or biological or something like that. Mine was spiritual in nature. Spiritual in that there was, um, what would you say? Just a, just so a, look, not addressing uh, the need for spiritual nourishment. So yeah. So yes. Yeah, so now we go through the narrative. We can walk back through things I, that I would like see in hindsight. Yeah. Uh, just a general lack of dependence, like self-sufficiency. Uh, I think that it was a lack of care for my own soul. I think that in some ways I... Uh, in some ways, I do feel like I was more gifted in ministry than I had character for ministry. Huh. Um, I think that there was, I think that that some of those early like successes and, and growth in the student ministry and things like that uh, just kind of gave me this like pride or arrogance of just doing it in my own strength and just kind of thinking, and I think maybe that some of this is being young or whatever, but uh, thinking I was Superman that could take on 21 hours of school and, uh, you know, adjust to those early years of marriage and, and work at two different ministries and just keep grinding and grinding and grinding without any kind of rest. So, uh, that's not to mitigate any of that. That's to call that like wrong and sinful. So, um, you know, it's, it's good to know that, be aware of what are some of the uh, the, the tremors that were at play that, that led up to this to, to try to keep yourself out of that. Yeah. And again, but at the same time, there's pressures in ministry and there's pressures sure. in life. And so uh, going back, what are some of the things that you pull out of that time frame to say, all right, even though I had a lot on my plate and it was too much and all that, what, what were some of the safety valves that the Lord may have put in the way that you that you perhaps didn't take advantage of that you could next time? Uh, a a regular day of rest. Yeah. Um, generally for pastor, that's not Sunday, but just a a day where you say, I like today is a time where I'm resting. The, the, the Lord, uh, this, the Lord will grow his church. He'll do like, he does the work and uh, he doesn't all he he doesn't he'll hold it together while I take a day off. Yeah. Like that's just one I think one of the biggest things that that I learned there, uh, as well as just the importance of maintaining uh, abiding in uh, abiding in Christ. Like that any work we do in ministry has to flow out of Him. Apart from well, Jesus says, "Apart from me, you can do nothing." Right. And so that being uh, the strength for for doing that, as well as just being willing to reach out and say when like when i'm not okay or if right. something's not going well or i am getting discouraged to reach out to people that can encourage me yeah. i think i was just trying to soldier on and not be a burden to anyone the reality is is that as uh, uh i know as matt likes to quote we're all needy and needed so right. at times uh at times we have needs yeah so and 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 brother i look, I look back and and I, I think that's one of my failures in this is not um, not that you came to me and invited me into that, but I should have seen some of this. I should have seen some of the um, signs of of depression that uh, that you were experiencing, um, and and wish I had. And, and I think that's part of it too is is having people around you who are willing to pull you aside and say, brother, what is going on? Right. 
Um, so I think, I think all of that's important stuff for us to, to take away. What, what about, so uh, continuing on in kind of the redemptive part of this, uh, what, what about the relationship with Kevin? So this was an argument. Yeah. It was obviously I mean, Kevin, a conflict. Kevin and I, yeah, Kevin and I were very good friends, right? Like, right. um, Leah and I were in their wedding in August. And then a month later when we got married, uh, Kevin and Lauren were in our wedding, like very good friends. Um, I think that, uh, Kevin, like, I think that, um, the, the relationship there, it was, it was, uh, I, I, I think that we both had like immediate forgiveness for each other, but then, uh, there was a lot of other, uh, you know, legal matters even yep. because he's, yep. he's a victim in a legal sense. Right. Uh, and so, uh, we, we were distant for a year and a half, um, and like not talking at all. And then, uh, we both kind of, I think the Lord moved on both of us. You were part of that. Um, yep. he moved on both of us really at the same time to, uh, to get back together. And really, as soon as we got back together, after about a year and a half after that, we just kind of picked up where we left off. It was close, close relationship. Yeah. So. And, and I, I think I can uh, say, um, or, or probably should say, uh, we, we, we tried desperately uh, with technology to include Kevin. We did. We're not in very this good call. <laughs> um, so that he can kind of lend his two cents. Uh, so I don't want to speak for him, but um, I, I can attest to the fact that um, God has brought the two of you together in the, um, right away. I mean, pretty much yeah. right away. There was yeah. forgiveness that was sought and granted. Um, and there's been true reconciliation and you guys are deep, good friends to this day. Um, and that's a sharpening relationship for both of you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Leah and I stayed with them a few years ago when we were on a road trip. Um, and you know, Kevin and I are texting constantly about, books and yeah. pencils because we're weird. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, um, so there is a termination that takes place. Yeah. And, and I'd say, okay, it's termination that, uh, takes place. And that was, and I, I say this and I don't think people really like really understand like how I could say this, but that was the most difficult period of my life. Yeah. Uh, because ministry was an idol for mm. me. Uh, it was my identity and like, it's gone. Like it's here one minute and then gone. And then I like, didn't know who I was like apart from that. Like how, what do I even like wake up and do during the day? And, uh, so that was my wife can attest like very, very like dark months and in, in years. Um, even so, uh, we went from there. We landed at another local church. Uh, great, faithful teaching uh, just over there, stacking chairs as the, uh, they were getting going um, and just sitting under the word. And um, while I'm, you know, going to going to the counseling and uh, that was the counseling. I, I, I We mentioned it earlier, but like that was hard. It was like, and biblical counseling, I can't recommend like highly enough, but, uh, that was hard because it was dealing with my own sin and like having to confront that head on that this wasn't just things that happened to me. Maybe there's some things along the way that happened to me, but these were things that I was like culpable for. And these were things that I like had a share in doing. And so just 
going through that, learning all the, all of that. Um, I consider it now looking back, uh, I consider it the very gracious discipline of the Lord, Mm. um, that he, like C.S. Lewis says, you know, if, if we have a a faith, that's a house of cards, I'm totally butchering and paraphrasing, but if it's, if our faith's just a house of cards then God's gracious to blow it over so that we would know it to be a house of cards. Um, and so that's, that's what I think he did is he, he just, the the Lord said, you know what, I, I'm going to show you like, like what's, what's actually going on here, how strong you think you are and how strong you actually are is not the same. And so he, graciously disciplined me because I, I I wouldn't have told you this at the time, but because he loved me is when what he took me through all that. Amen. Amen. It's God's kindness. So I want to circle back to, um, uh, your return to new branch, but before we do that, just maybe take a second to, um, try to articulate how, how you see all of that, that God led you through in that time. Not not just the incident itself, but what yeah. led up to that, and then what transpired after that, and bringing you to a place of of, of health spiritually uh, that will help in your role in pastoral ministry. That's helping now yeah. in your role in in pastoral ministry as an elder. Sure, um, but will also be helpful as you uh, look to to reengage vocationally and these sorts of like some of the pressures of ministry uh, are potentially there on your shoulders again. I think that I've framed that before. The way I look at it is that uh, when Jacob wrestled with God and uh, had his hip put out of socket, he walked with a limp the rest of his life. Yeah. Uh, Like he was humbled in that. Uh, and that marked him for the rest of his life. Yeah. Uh, I still got some humility to, to go in that, but uh, it, I, I think that that whole walking through all of that and walking through the desert years is what I call them, uh, really did, uh, did a work uh, in me as far as, um, I don't know. I, I don't know how to describe that. I don't know how to like, yeah. Um, but I do, I do think that it, uh, it created a, it, it took away some of the youthful, brash, gracelessness, I think, and gave me more, uh, grace by showing me my constant need of grace. I think yeah. I would have told you that theologically, yeah. but to experience, uh, in, in real life, my need for grace my desperate need for grace is is sometimes an altogether different thing. So, yeah. um, so I think it, you know, practically speaking, uh, I know warning signs to look for in my own life. I know uh, the places that I need uh, accountability from brothers and other elders of, I consider myself a recovering workaholic um, that I will be for the rest of my life. Uh, so those are the kinds of things I ask like other brothers to hold me accountable to. Um, and then practically, I also do think that I think it's probably made me more merciful. I don't know. You maybe you can speak to that. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I I think I think you can't help but come out of a place like that where you're broken. Yeah. And where where there's a, a God is humbling you, and there's a breaking of pride. Um, 
you, you can't help but see other people who find themselves in similar situations with eyes of mercy. You're empathetic. I, and yeah. I think that's something that, that also, not, not only is this redemptive for you personally, as you look to re-engage in pastoral ministry vocationally, but also for those for whom you will be accountable and responsible, the shepherd, I mean, the sheep that, that you'll be shepherding, like you can look at their lives, you can begin to see some of these same sorts of things and you know, um, you know, how to, how to interact with them, how to approach them and, um, and hold up the gospel to them in the midst of something that may be brewing in their own life. Yeah. I just simply, I, I know I've looked at my own sin in that way to the point of despairing, to the point of saying, is it possible that like the cross like really covers this? Uh, mm. Is there grace for even this? Um, and been at like, like rock bottom, like, like rock bottom. Like yeah. I, I don't want to drive my car cause I might like steer it off the road. Yeah. Um, and to, to go from there, um, and to experience the Lord's grace and to have him like uh, walk, walk through that and provide healing, I think uh, gives me confidence when I'm speaking to others that he could do that same work in their life. Yeah. I think, I think that, uh, I think that that's, that's one of the big ways that I think that that going through that, it just gives me, uh, it gives me a real sense that like the gospel is the reason to me, the gospel is the reason I'm literally alive. Yeah. Like that. I'm still this side of the earth. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I can, I can point to that in your own life as I think back the early years, um, when you uh, were 19, 20 years old, uh, there's a fire in your belly and you're passionate about Jesus. Um, but, you know, in, in hindsight, um, prior to the Lord breaking you in this way, uh, I think there was a tendency to, for, for maybe people to be a bit of an afterthought. For sure. And like, we're going to accomplish this mission. I'm going to conquer the world. Whether whether or not people yeah. actually yeah. are following me or not, I'm, I'm going to conquer the world. Yeah. Uh, and, you, and you need to get in line. Um, you still have that fire in your belly. Mm-hmm. You're still passionate for God's glory and for mission. That's evident. Uh, but what's also evident is um, a, a gracious tone um, uh, an empathetic tone, a tone of understanding that we need Jesus every moment of every day. And I think that's going to serve you well in pastoral ministry, not only for your own life, but for those that you will shepherd. Yeah. Um, and I think that's happening already, um, in your lay shepherding of families, uh, in the church, uh, that can only be a benefit as you seek to, to lead them. So, uh, let's, let's get back to the narrative a bit because, at this point, you're not at New Branch. Um, no, you're 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 at another church, and you're being fed. You're being you're sitting under the teaching of the Word. Um, what what led to a, a desire to uh, to reengage with New Branch? Uh, so I was at that. I was I was at that church. Can we name that church? We can name that church. Sure. Yeah, Emmaus Church. Yeah. Uh, shout out to them. Very yeah. faithful. Loved yeah. it. Uh-huh. Uh, 
So I was over at Emmaus as they were getting going. I was there for a number of years. And then I had the opportunity to do student ministry again at another local church. Was at that church for a year, year and a half. uh, And then went back to Emmaus. Uh, I know I'm like going through that briefly. That wasn't that wasn't an altogether healthy situation for my family. And yep. at some point we just had to say, this isn't good for the rest of my family. Right. So, um, so we went back to Emmaus, kind of got restless there. Um, and we even did like a little house church thing for a little bit. But what I would say in all of that is the Lord never let us settle anywhere else. Um, just by just like totally uh, individually personal basis. Uh, I think Emmaus is a great church. I love Anson, and love Brian and a lot of those guys over there. But I think that the Lord just didn't let us settle there because he wanted to, uh, he wanted us to get full, full restoration over here. So we found ourselves, Lee and I found ourselves at uh, between churches and saying, we need to be involved with the church again. Uh, If there was only like a reformed leaning Baptist church in the area, then we would love to go to that. And I said, well, why don't, what about New Branch? And she was like, would you, would you do that? And I was like, yeah, let's go. So that's, we came back. Yeah. And you, and you and I we missed met, one sermon series and, and we, we skipped over this, but just, you know, you, you and I had also reconciled yeah. obviously because you know we had a working relationship that, that ended abruptly, but uh, in those ensuing years um, we reconciled, we worked through things personally. And so we, we met when God led you to consider re-engaging with New Branch, and um, I was like, "Absolutely, that's I, yeah." I said, "Is it okay for me to come back?" Of course, and and so, and so you did. And I think we were we were still we were still over at Hebron, yeah, at the at the school, right? I came back for the my wife came a couple of weeks earlier, but I came back for the Great Commission sermon on from Matthew, like the very tale okay. of that. So. Yeah, that was a short series going through Matthew. Yeah, um, yeah. So you you came in, you started uh, just uh, serving, uh, stacking chairs with us. I didn't. I remember, I remember walking through the doors that time, and uh, somebody asked me. Someone still in our church said, uh, "Are you do you still do preaching and stuff?" And I said, "No, nah, I'm not into that anymore." Like, yeah. and they said. Uh, well, you never know. The, like the Lord might, the Lord might have other ideas. And in my mind at that time, I was like, no, 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 I'm, I'm ministry out. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm just here to be a faithful church member. So, things were going well in business. Uh, I thought that I would just do that, but then, um, and I was, I when we met, I said, hey, I just want to come stack chairs. I don't want any kind of leadership thing. I just want to come and be a part of a healthy church for a while. Yeah. So, which you did. Yeah. Uh, you and Leah serve faithfully and. Started having kids faithfully and uh, <laughs> lots of them. And um, <clears throat> at some point, don't need to fast forward, but at some point the Lord begins stirring in you a desire to help establish churches um, get healthy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, he started stirring me just generally pastoral ministry again. Um I kind of had a prayer one day. We're driving down the road where I was like, Lord, I'll do anything, but not pastoral ministry, please. And then as soon as I said, like anything, but I know what those, how well those prayers go with the (laughs) Lord. Um, and so he, you know, really, uh, so he really, um, 
continued to bring that back. I, I just didn't want to go back down there because I wanted it so bad for so long that it didn't seem, and it seemed like it would never come back around that I was just like telling myself, I don't want that. I don't want that. I really did want that. You did, um, but you didn't want to resurrect the idol. No, I didn't. Right. The, it, there had been an idol. Yeah. Got it. Got, and I was like, Lord, it. I'm content without it. I'm content yeah. without it. I'm yeah. content without it. I promise. As long as I don't get anywhere near it. So, but yes, then he did start uh, stirring in me. I went to a church revitalization conference up in uh, Washington, D.C. at Capitol Hill. Um, started like really digging into some of that kind of stuff, the great need for church revitalization. Um, and because I really said, you know what, I don't think I'm a planter necessarily. I don't think I have that uh, outgoing charismatic personality that can really gather a lot of people for the for that. Um, but something like in the, in revitalization or something like that may be more better suited for me. Um, and so that also led to some like contacts around here. I did some quite a bit of pulpit supply in 2019, um, just for churches that were without pastors or for other area, uh, churches through the Gabin network and things like that. And you were periodically preaching for us as well. I don't know how long you had been here or had returned before you went back into the pulpit it was a few years yeah it's three or four years i would think but um but we we being the elders recognized that that gifting was still there yeah um and and the fire was still there and so yeah you were filling in here periodically um, so you and i we even did a the the replant assessment you uh with through the north american mission board we went out to Kansas City. City. Yep. Um, and I was assessed as a church replanter um, through that program where they just affirmed that uh, I could go and be a pastor at a church needing replanting or revitalization. Yep. Um, and then we took that uh, assessment from them and our elders looked over that at the time. This was prior to me being an elder, but they, they agreed or affirmed and we ordained you at that time yeah. we ordained you for ministry and the and the thought was that the lord was going to lead you your family away from here to potentially revitalize a church somewhere in the area and yeah and that, that was yeah. part of the pulpit supply you had did. just just in preparation for that in considering that um and uh you and i had lots of conversations about opportunities and which opportunities yeah. to pursue which opportunities not to pursue and the lord just never 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 led you i mean my my we had applications portable. out we had uh you know things like that and just that the lord never opened that door just yeah. simply put he never opened that door um, yeah so uh and and i guess i could fast forward at this point um you know we were we were also kind of fixing things uh internally here at new branch to be more clear on the fact that all pastors are elders elders are pastors and so um uh during that time of considering revitalization you were actually we had you as a as a pastoral intern right during the time you were working full-time but um uh, but we we recognized uh, that you were uh, biblically qualified, and so uh, uh, the church uh, recommended you, and we affirmed you, and the church voted on you as an elder. That was how long ago? Ooh, I should I think, know, but I think was, I'm. Uh, I think I've been an elder now for a year and a half. Okay, so it was during the pandemic. 
Was it during the? It pandemic? was right before. I think we I think we got voted in in like February before or something like okay. that. I don't, I don't okay. know. Yeah. So it's so it's been a couple years. I mean, like where we actually were installed. Right. Like, I think it was like February. Of, right. Yeah. Right. So yeah, um, and and we can we can talk a little bit more about you know, uh, other stuff. Any other just just in general takeaways from uh, from that whole time frame um, and where God has you now with the prospect of re-engaging with pastoral yeah, vocational so as, ministry. As I as I came on as an elder, uh, I really sensed that I just wanted to 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 minister well here. And um and none of those other doors were really materializing. So I was just like the Lord will open that the Lord will open whatever door he wants when he when he wants to open it. And yeah. in the meantime, uh I'm just going to to take seriously that role as an overseer, as, uh, as a shepherd of, uh, who will give an account to how you care for people that Christ shed his blood for. Um, and so really a lot, a lot of the, I mean, obviously the pandemic was going on. So like a lot of that pulpit supply and stuff like that was, was over with anyway. Mm. Uh, but, uh, that was my aim was to just focus in here and, um, and that kept me. That's kept me busy uh, yeah. doing doing ministry here, um, and I've loved and enjoyed every bit of that. So. Well, and we 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 only transitioned to intentional family shepherding just a handful of years before you became an elder as well. Uh, prior to that, we were <clears throat> we were shepherding the church more kind of responsively and reactively than proactively, um, and so. Uh, I, I can just say you've been a you've been instrumental in helping us to think through what are the what are the good and right expectations of intentional proactive shepherding, um, and I know that that you've sharpened many of us, myself included, in um, in being present and maintaining a pursuit uh, a posture of pursuing our families. Um, especially those that seem to be on the fringes that, that aren't as engaged. And so God's used you in that. And I think that displays part of your pastoral heart. Yeah. Um, that I hope uh, the, the closer, the more, maybe this helps, uh, the more people get to know you, the closer they get to you, yeah. they see your heart. Because um, I've, I've seen it. Yeah. I think what you're hitting at there is that sometimes I, it doesn't like, come out on first i didn't first, mean to hint that but, you, you mean that, but, but maybe it's there yeah but i i do think that there's some of that like introverted personality that i'm definitely like working through uh i think that that's an area that the lord wants to grow me for in ministry um and i don't accept that like hey that's because that's my personality that's just always the way i'm gonna be but like yeah, yeah definitely I, I i would i would think that uh I do way better in smaller groups and one-on-one and things like that um, with those kinds of relational things. And I think that, I think that our people that have experienced that would, would agree with that. So. Yeah. And, and, and as we think about like the next season of ministry for new branch, um, what I want to encourage you in yeah, and what I want to encourage our church in is to, we all know this, but let's, let's bear in mind that um, Tyler and Ken are two different people. 
Yeah. We, we have different gifts, different weaknesses. Um, but, um, and, and so I, I don't want anyone to try to look at you through the lens of Ken. Sure. Right. Um, and, and that would be unfair for anybody that would be coming to, to lead the church after I had been here for 15 years. Sure. Right. That's, that's unfair. Um, uh, but I, th- I think what, what I would want folks to know is that as elders, what we think is non-negotiable in, um, someone giving, giving leadership, um, to the pulpit, being the primary teaching pastor is someone who's ha- who has a, a demonstrated passion for God's word, um, uh, an unadulterated, um, pursuit of God's glory, um, living on mission themselves, um, and a desire to see the church living on mission as well, as well as a deep understanding of God's grace in their own life and, and God's grace on the church and the beauty of the church and all of that. Um, and, and those are all things that I see and that we as elders see in you. Um, and are there, are there parts of your temperament that still need to be sanctified? My goodness, sure. uh, much less than the parts of me that need to be sanctified. Um, so we're, we're all in progress. And so I, I don't want anybody to look at you through the lens of Ken. Um, well, I uh, think one of the things that I'm encouraged by in that is that, uh, our, our ecclesiology is that there's a plurality of elders. Yeah. And so there's a team of us. That's not to take away from the fact that I need to continue growing in some areas because as a staff pastor, I'll have more availability for some things. But there's a team of us that has complementary gifts. Yep. And so being able to lean on some of those other guys and their experiences as uh, as I'm growing in this is, uh, I mean, I just don't know how anyone does it with a single pastor thing. Uh, yeah. So that that our ecclesiology on there uh, really does like help me tremendously to know that there's, I'm not the solo, the only one bearing the weight, but there's five or six of us that will share in that weight. And that, that the, the, of the five or six of us, there's a variety of giftings on, on that elder. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one, one other aspect that I think you bring to the table that, that I, I think will serve this church well is, and I, I think the best way to describe it is just a holy discontent for status quo and for nominal uh, Christianity and for um, lethargic church uh, ministry. Um, okay. you, 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 you are not content just for that status quo. And, and you're, you push us as elders uh, to pursue um, uh, uh, good and right solutions uh, to drive down to the the underlying issues behind uh, things that we need to unpack. Um, and you do the same for our church. And so I think the net result of that is I, th- I think our church will grow spiritually um, uh, with, with you being more actively involved as a vocational pastor. And I, I think it'll, I think it'll grow in number as well. That's not, that's not what fuels things, but I think that's a result of what, uh, of just not being content with status quo, with where people are spiritually, with where a marriage is and their in their pursuit, 
with where a teenager is and they're wrestling with sin, uh, you're not going to let things lie. And, and I'm thankful for that because uh, it's, it's, it's a willingness to, uh, to, to do hard things and to go through hard things in order to see God glorified on the other end. So I think that's a, that's a, a beautiful thing that our church will, will benefit from. And I also want to, I think it's, it's helpful to remind our church that um, obviously all this is contingent on the church voting and sure, sure. Uh, we are uh, baptistic and congregational in that respect. And so the church needs to de- make this decision. But um, it, as long as that moves forward as we expect it to, um, I, I fully anticipate uh, to be um, actively engaged and involved in your life and in your development. And you better be, I, I, I want, however long the Lord still has me in ministry and, and, and breathing oxygen to be a part of, uh, God continuing to develop you to be the pastor that he's calling you to be. And, and so me being close by, allows the best of both worlds. You know, I can continue to, to extend the gospel in Jackson County, but also be a part of what God's doing here in your life Absolutely. Uh, in this church. So yeah, we need to get that in writing as well. <laughs> yeah. like I need to, we need like a ratio of how many lunches you're willing to give me going forward. Per absolutely. Month. Absolutely. Um, well, uh, Tyler, thank you for being willing to be transparent um, and to open yourself up to some questions and, uh, I know that this is something you desire to do yeah. Uh, and, and you see the benefit of. I think it's something that it's helpful for our church to get to know you more. And I know that you're available to have conversations or to field questions, clarifications, yeah. anything along those lines. No, I absolutely. I welcome any kind of any. I welcome that conversation. I've We've had some lunches recently with people and um, I, I welcome any of that phone call, email. I'll invite you over to lunch. If you just say that you want to have a conversation, like, just let me know. I'm, 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 I'm all for having that conversation. Even if it's just, Hey, I don't know what I want to have a conversation about. I would just like to get to know you better, uh, on a one-to-one level or something like that, um, to feel more comfortable with this. I'm, I'm here for all any of that. Yeah. So, so I, so I just encourage our church, uh, don't let this be the, the, the only, um, part of, of getting to know Tyler, uh, I would encourage you to have he and his wife over, ask him any clarifying questions or anything that you would like to ask him. Uh, he is open to that, and I think that would be good. So uh, thanks so much for joining us for this audio, and uh, we will um, uh, circle back to you very soon with more information about the church of multiplication.